Welcome back to the Lenials Podcast. Today on the Lenials, we have a book club. We're reading Woman of Light by Kelly Pajardo and Stein, which I do apologize. I totally realized I've been mispronouncing her name in all of these previous episodes. I don't know why it didn't occur to me, and I'm sorry. So I guess we'll start like we usually do with a quick little author bio. So she is currently the endowed chair in creative writing at Texas State University. And when I looked up what that meant, I think it essentially means that she like teaches a class and then like does writing there. And then she also wrote a short story collection called Sabrina and Corinna. Some little fun factoids I found off her author's website. She was born in Denver, Colorado, which I think a good part of this book takes place in like the Colorado area. And um, so she dropped out of high school and got her GED and then went on to get a bachelor's in English and a minor in Chicana studies and also holds an MFA from, I think, a university in Wyoming. And part of my or one thing that I thought was cool is that before she did writing as I get a career, she was an independent bookseller or she worked at like an independent bookstore. Oh, that is really cool. So we picked this book. Didn't we pick it because it was um, Latin American Heritage Month? So that's part of the reason why we picked this book, because we always feel like it's good to diversify the authors that you are reading. And also it just kind of it broadens your worldview and it's never good to be trapped in a bubble. Uh, A little brief summary about this book. It is an intergenerational Western saga that follows five generations. So it follows the main character is Luz, and then it follows kind of the rest of her family throughout these different generations, which it did do some time hopping and some different perspectives a little bit, but not too much. So I know that Leanne has recently been uh, all up in arms about this. So I want to hear your opinion. Yeah. And If you haven't listened to the episode where I talk about that, it's not because I don't enjoy reading those types of books. I just think that, say, back when we were in high school, it was kind of unique when that happened in a book, whereas nowadays it's everywhere. Um, But I did enjoy this book. Can we just give like a disclaimer right now and say, we both read this in text form. So if we mispronounce any names, we are sorry. It is not meant to be an offensive thing. We're not trying to mispronounce the names. We just might not pronounce them correctly, and we apologize. Yeah, so one thing I thought was kind of interesting when I was reading it is that it felt very character-based, and I know that in the past you have talked about how you do not enjoy that. And so whenever I was reading it, and even to me sometimes it was it was a little slow in areas, and so I kept thinking, I'm like, what is Kaylee thinking about this book right now? Okay. Honestly, though, so for those of you listening, I totally sprinted this book, as in I read it in literally two days because we had an open house that was like sprung upon us the day before. And it was like, P.S. teachers, there's an open house. And I had just gotten the book like that day. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I won't be able to read this until like a day before we record the podcast, but I'll make it work. Um, so I sprint, I sprinted this book, but it was a fabulous book. I very much enjoyed it. and. I was not put off by the fact that it was character-based. And I think the reason why is because Luce is a great character. She is like a complex character, which I appreciate because sometimes, and especially in YA books, yes, I'm coming for YA, although I read it all the time, 
I say that all the time, but I mean, I guess I don't really read it all the time, but frequently enough. In YA books, all the time, they're like, this character is flawless. And I like that this book did not do that. I like Loose, too. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It um kind of made me realize I think I like modern take on Westerns. Because I don't really like Westerns at all. Actually, freshman year of high school, we had to read this Western called The Oxbow Incident, and it was awful. I did not enjoy it at all. And then I didn't read a Western for a while. And I feel like I like the ones that tell stories of the American West, but not the ones that you've necessarily heard or read before. I think that for Westerns, I have never read Westerns aside from the ones we've read on this podcast, first and foremost. So my experience with Westerns has only been How Much of These Hills is Gold and Women of Light. But I think that they're actually really good, which I wouldn't expect because I feel like whenever I picture Westerns, it's like cowboys riding around shooting things. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not my vibe. But I feel like the ones that we've read, and maybe it's because like, The writers are writing them from the perspective of like a person of color. So it's like a marginalized group, especially during the time. I feel like they're so much more interesting. I think it's also something to say that there are Westerns about people who aren't cowboys because it shows that there was more to the old American West than cowboys. There were people of various backgrounds that were there at those times. And I think sometimes we kind of forget that. And also, one of the things I liked about this one is, yes, it was a Western, but it also had that whole, like, flapper age feel, you know, where it's like kind of everything is gilded and just, yes, it was the vibes were immaculate. I was a big fan. I know you mentioned Luz. She's kind of the character that I would say the book centers around. It obviously jumps between generations, but I feel like it kind of always comes back to Luz. So do you want to share a little more about why you liked her so much? So I think that I really liked her because she was kind of like the gateway to all of these different stories. And I think that's what made her character so interesting is she would have like these visions or these things that would tie into things that were either happening at the time or things that happened in the past or things that would happen in the future. And so I feel like it would always be interesting to just kind of riddle through Like, why is she seeing what she's seeing? How does this affect her family? How does this affect the other people around her? And I feel like just having to pose that question so much was one of the reasons why I really liked her character. Why did you like Luz so much? I I assume you liked her. You, You gave me a head nod before, so I feel like the answer is yes. Yeah, I think what I liked about her is kind of similar to what you said, is how she was definitely like the portal to the different characters and the different relationships. I liked reading about the relationship with her cousin because her cousin is Lizette, Lizette, and Lizette in a way feels very different from Luz because Luz seems kind of more, I guess, kind of quiet in a way, but Lizette's kind of just like off with her um, boyfriend who becomes, spoilers again, because this is a book episode, but becomes her fiance and uh, she's just off doing her things and like, I think Some of what Lizette does kind of like, I don't know, I feel like even Luz is just kind of like shocked by it, but also like kind of like odd. Yeah, odd. Yeah, I feel like she's shocked and odd because Lizette is always so bold in everything that she does. Like she has this confidence that I feel like Luz wishes that she had. 
you know? And so I think that they're nice foils for each other because you have Luz, who's like a little bit more shy. And then you've got Lizette, who's unapologetically doing whatever she wants to do. And so I feel like it's nice to see the difference between those two characters. I feel like they play off of each other very well. Although one thing that I am so ready to get into is what did you think about the relationship between Luz and David? Okay, so at the beginning, I was like, okay, David, you're the son of the nice grocer man who gives them like free meat when they can't afford it. And then I don't know at what point. But I guess once Luz started working at the law office, I'm like, David is a creep. And I'm just like, I don't understand what you're going for. But like, oh, like specifically when like there was that white supremacist rally down the streets of the law office and then they're like banging on the door to get into the law office because like David, I think, represented a... um controversial case yeah and the person was like basically the person was killed by the police and so he was representing the family and so there was like a right supremacist rally and they were trying to break into the law office and so then Luz and david are hiding under the table and like he essentially starts like touching her places he should not be touching his employee under a desk yes while you're hiding from white supremacists oh my gosh i was like what is this i was like this is like why did this happen No, it was so wrong. I was like, you are, there are like, there's a KKK rally going on outside your door and you're over here essentially having sex. I was like, what about this? Is None of this is romantic. Absolutely none of it. (laughs) I was like, okay, like, fine. If you want to like, like later in the book, if you want to go off and hide in a bathroom and do whatever, that's fine. But I'm like, David. Read the room right now. It is not the time or place for this. Right? Okay. And I feel like David as a character just infuriated me, like, especially towards the middle to the end of the book. I was like, I could, I am not a violent, I am not a violent person. Okay. I am not. So this is for metaphorical persons, metaphorical reasons only. But I was like, I could slap you. I was like, this is too much. Okay, but, like, it was actually, like, in terms of character development, it was kind of cool, because in the beginning, I thought he was, like, okay, you know, I was like, oh, you're just, like, a dude, you're there, whatever, nothing much going on, and then I'm like, oh, like, when he brought, like, Luz to that club that's for, like, white people only, and then, like, there was the district attorney there, and then, like, things just got real weird there, too, and then she was like, I gotta go home. Yeah, I was like, thank goodness you went home because you don't want to know what would have happened if you would have stayed because it did not seem like a very welcoming or safe environment. Yeah, man, David. But I guess real spoiler alert, he did get run out of town at the end. Thank goodness is all I got to say. He was not a quality human being. Okay, that was kind of like, I didn't know how I felt about Al burning down David's office. Wait, was it Al who burned it down or... Isn't his name Al? Did they call him Al? No, that's Alonso. That's uh, that's Lizette's um husband. I think it was Avel. Oh, Avel. Avel? Is it Avel or Avel? I don't know. I was calling him Avel. I'm about to go look this up. How to pronounce the name Avel or Avel? I assumed that it was Avel, but I don't know. Okay, it's either pronounced Avel or Avel. It's an old and uncommon male first name. I was going to say, what's the origin? Biblical. Hebrew. But maybe we should just refer to him as Avel, because I feel like a lot of the other names are like 
Spanish speaking. Plus, he was Spanish speaking. So, I feel like half this episode is going to be twice as long because half of it is us every time we mention a new character trying to figure out their name. Oh, 100% it will be. So, we're going to call him Avel. How did you feel about Avel burning down David's office? Because part of me is just like, that is arson, sir. You should not be doing that. And also, like, I don't know how I feel about the reaction of, like, the whole you find your, were they fiancés at that point? You find your fiancé in a bathroom with someone else, but, like, I still don't think burning down someone's office is a great reaction. Yeah, I think it's probably not the right reaction, but also, like, for pure pettiness, I enjoyed it. (laughs) Did I turn to my boyfriend as I was reading this book and ask him if he would have done the same thing? Definitely. (laughs) What did he say? (laughs) He said, no, I would have just sued him and or he was I think he said no, I would have just sued him and ruined his career. I think that's what he said. <laughs> but I feel like it wasn't just because he caught them cheating. I feel like it was because of the idea of like you two were working together and hiding this the whole time. I feel like that was also part of the motive was it was like that was a place that was very charged with like this is probably where this originated. And that's why he wanted to burn it down. I'm just saying out there For any of you young lovers listening to this podcast, don't commit arson. It's not a good idea. You will get sued. Probably, maybe. Well, you're probably going to get arrested. Or that. That too. Evel, he seems like such a good guy, and then he commits arson, and I'm like, well, now you have to be arrested. See, I feel like this is where you have, like, these very black and white definitions of, like, this is right and this is wrong, and I'm like... Well, was it wrong? Yes. But could I forgive it in this instance, in this book form, in theory? Also, yes. (laughs) I feel like maybe Western suit you, you know, the good old vigilante justice. Yeah, you know, you got to have your own sort of laws and code of morals that you follow. As long as nobody gets hurt, we're good. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. The David thing also really bugged me because like, as it kept going, like, It would flash back to these times when, like, David was around Lizette and Luz during their childhood. And I just felt like it was really weird because, like, he knew them when they were children. And then he was like, and then, like, 10 years later, he's like, and now I'm going to pursue this relationship with you. Like, I mean, here's my two cents. I get age gap relationships. But for those age gap relationships, I think it's Really freaking weird if you knew them as a child. I feel like there's something different. It's just like, it just feels really gross. I'm like, okay, at what point in time were you like looking at them as not a child and like somebody who you wanted to be in a relationship with? Because I don't know, it just feels gross to me. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, just the whole thing. No. (laughs) I think the reason why it feels gross is like, When two people meet as adults, you're like, okay, you're both adults, whatever, who cares? I'm glad I wasn't the only one who thought this because I was like, that is really uncomfy. And yeah, it was one of those things that like really made me feel like I liked David less and less. Yeah, it's like he kind of started up here. And then by the end, I was just like, you dug yourself a real deep ditch. Yeah, but I feel like it was also interesting because I feel like Lewis never really had that same feeling. like. We saw David's character changing in our minds, but she didn't. Because it was like, you know, at the beginning when you're introduced to him, he's like this shiny character who's like, oh my gosh, he's so handsome and he's so successful. 
And like, yeah, it would be pretty easy to get wowed by that. You know what I mean? But then it's like, as the book progresses, you realize like, oh, he's not such a good guy. But I feel like Luz still kind of sees him like that guy that you met at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Like there's that weird period of the book where Luz still like saw him that way. It was like, she said it was like, I love you, David. Then it was like that weird thing where I forget who said it. It might have even been some random minor character that we don't see again. But like someone's essentially saying that he's not interested in you like long term. He just wants to go out with you, take you for a spin, and then he's just going to move on to the next person. But I feel like Luz was kind of like her mindset was more like in it for the long haul type thing. Yeah. And okay. Also, what kind of bugged me was like, Luz would be cheating with David, but she'd be like, I'm not really cheating. Haha, we're not really in a relationship with her and Avel. And I was like, he takes you on dates. He treats you so nicely. Like, do you not see how much you mean to this man? Yeah. I liked him until, yeah, he was, he seemed like a good, steady person. I know your caveat is until he burned down the office. I'm going to say it because I think our our listeners can probably hear it, but I feel like we just need to get it out there. Until he burned down the office, Leon does not support arson, nor do I, only in fictional cases. You read that two-second gap so well. Yes. I know you a little bit. Anyways, I wanted to talk about Avel and David's dynamic because I feel like David didn't really want Luz. He just wanted to prove to Avel that he could have her. Ooh, yeah. I feel like I could kind of get that vibe. Also, why is like David and uh who are they the Papa Tikas? Why is he why are both of them at like the family events all the time? Because there was that one where like it was like Lizette was having some thing at the family house, but then it was also like kind of Luz's birthday event too. And like David was there. And I feel like I thought of them more as like in-town acquaintances. I didn't really see why they would be socializing with each other. See, when I first read the first bit when we were introduced to David, I definitely read him as related somehow. Not sure how, but they're related. But also maybe not because she does think that he's that he's attractive. So I was definitely like, I feel like they're related, but maybe they're not. We will have to keep reading to find out for sure. Well, David is Papas Tikas' son, and I thought they were Greek. They are Greek. And that's why when I kept reading, I was like, oh, no, they're Greek. We're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you had me second-guessing for a second. I was like, wait, are they related? <laughs> no, no, no. They're not related. That would have been like a whole nother can of worms if they were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, um, where is I going with that scene? Oh, yeah, there was like that scene where they're basically forcing him, Evel, they're forcing him to drink. And then he puked because he's like, oh, I don't drink much. And then they made fun of him for it. I'm like, you people are not very nice. No. And I feel like that was just a total power trip that David had over Avel. I feel like he was just trying to make himself seem like the bigger man to lose and like be like, oh, like he can't handle his liquor. Ha 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 ha. And it was just so petty. I was like, ooh. I feel like that was honestly one of those points where I really started to turn against David and be like, mm, I don't like this guy. I don't like him at all. Yeah. Um, who else do you want to talk to from our lovely list of characters? Okay, I think 
An interesting story is Sarah and Maria Hossi because of... So they were sisters and they obviously, you know, lived together in the nice little house that uh, Pedre built. But then basically these town uh, mining people moved in, took over the town and essentially Simo Decia, uh, like they came and shot Pedre and the Simo Decia shot them and then they were on the run. But at the train station, they basically Sarah and Maria Jose have to like run away and then they get split up which I feel like is the saddest thing. And I feel like you notice once they split up, like they just kind of like the past just veered off. Completely different directions. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they were so close before. Yeah. That made me really sad too. I don't know. That whole thing was just so sad because I was just struck by the injustice of it all. I was like, you go in, you take their land, and then they shoot you because you literally shot Simo Desia's husband, so obviously she shoots you back. Like, come on. Again, I do not endorse murder on this podcast, FYI. But like, yeah, and then they're like, oh, she shot them for no reason. There was no logical reason. And I feel like that was one of the things that like this book talked about over and over again is it would be like there are all of these crimes that are committed where the person who suffers the most is like the Latino character, like the indigenous character in the book, where it was like all of these other people, especially like the white people in the book, would get away with so many different things where it was just like, oh, yeah, they were killed for no reason. There was a reason. You just don't want to write about it. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of connects to Diego, who is Luth's brother, who was, I guess, it seemed like they were like in a relationship. He was in a relationship with somebody of Elizabeth. It was one of those two-name people. And essentially, the woman that he was dating was white, and her entire family goes to beat up Diego. Diego gets run out of town, essentially. And then, I don't know, it just felt so sad because she seemed to really like Diego, and then she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know, there's, like, this is so sad. It was so sad because Diego is, like, you know, it's your choice. Like, you can do what you'd like, but, like, if you decide that you don't want to, like, have an abortion or give up the baby, he's, like, I'll be here. Like, I'm willing to be here for you. And she was, like, no, I'm going to. It sounded like she was, like, going to have an abortion, right? That's what I thought. When I read it, I was like, she's she's getting an abortion. And then I think those men saw when she was going through the process of, I think it was maybe giving birth because I don't think it was... Eleanor Ann. Oh, Eleanor Ann. When Eleanor Ann, I believe she was giving birth, but like at the time, because I didn't know that she had a kid yet, I thought it was like, oh, she was aborting the baby. And so that's why they attacked Diego. And then I was just so upset because I was like, literally like... He was offering to stay with her and like he was being like a good human being and he's still he still got punished in the end. And I was so mad. I was so mad for him. And I think the thing that gets you is how nothing happens to the men that beat Diego up. And it's like that throughout the whole book. Which I feel like, you know, it was like the book is very well written. I love the writing. But it's also like it makes it really it's really like hard to read that stuff and not be sad. Yeah, it definitely is. And I feel like it makes me sad, but it also makes me like angry. Like, why were these people not punished? 
what kind of world is it that you can get away with things like that? Yeah. And I think you just, you would see it over and over again. Like you would see it with the story of Simodacia. You would see it with the story of Diego. You would see it with the guy who was killed by, was it those policemen? Yeah. The one who was a worker who they were making the court case for. So I think another interesting character to talk about was Maria Hosi and her it was interesting because I think a lot of times when her outfits or appearance were discussed she seemed more masculine presenting because they would make like notice of oh she's in a men's suit or something like that I loved her character what did you think I liked how she was just doing her own thing and I feel like it never addressed those issues head on with her. So you just got little snippets of like, oh, you would see like a woman leave late at night or like in the morning or something like that. And like, but then in the end, she was like in the relationship because at the very end when it's like, oh, we're a family, Luz, Diego, Maria Hosi and Eleanor. No. Whatever her name was. There's a lot of names in this book. So we recommend reading this yourself. Yeah, because I'm going to be honest with books, I'm usually not the best person at keeping track of names. But no, I really liked how she had like kind of like a girlfriend at the end. I was like, oh, this is so cute. So I really liked her character. I liked that like, because I feel like a lot of the times LGBTQ characters, their stories kind of get like written out of history. And I think that it was nice that she was included in this book. I think one of the scenes that made me like the, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know her name, but the girlfriend's character was when Lizette, I think it was Lizette, was like, oh, how'd you learn how to drive? And the girlfriend was like, after I got my MD, I thought I could drive the car myself or something like that. And I thought it was just kind of funny. Yes, but I feel like that totally, I feel like that totally fits Maria Jose's vibe where she's just like, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to do it myself. I I don't need somebody else to take care of me. Like, no, I'm going to make it work. I mean, she had some grit. She did. She was awesome. I really liked her. The whole story about how she, I think it's like, so this kind of two different settings, one's in the lost territory, more different towns, and then one's in Denver. But like her whole story from getting the lost territory to Denver which I thought was super interesting. And I think this kind of ties into next month's book by Eric Ginsworth. But when she was at that one like super rich person's house and the, the person's like, oh, my father's a collector. And then it was all these like indigenous artifacts and the, it mentioned the masks. And, and then the character, uh, I think it's Maria Hosey, in the book was talking about how the masks are like people and you're supposed to like take care of them. Yeah. It goes to the whole thing of like, I don't know, it makes me kind of think, I think I read something else recently that was kind of related to this, but the whole like, how do we get these artifacts into, say, people's homes, into museums? And it's like, should they be there? So this is going to date this episode, but Queen Elizabeth died yesterday, and I saw something on social media, which you should definitely not believe everything you see on social media, but I saw this thing about how they want this like gemstone i think it was like a diamond that's worth like 47 million dollars or something it's like this massive gemstone that's on her crown and they want it to be returned to the colony that they got it from which i can't remember exactly where it was hang on i'm gonna look this up because it's relevant okay so it's from india 
that's where the diamond is from. And so supposedly, you can't see it right now, but I'm doing air quotes. Supposedly, this diamond was given to her when they, uh, I think, I want to say like when they annexed it, but that's not correct. But anyway, so she has this diamond that's from India, and it sounds like India kind of wants it back because it sounds like from what I've read that perhaps even though it was given, it was more so like taken rather than given. And it kind of reminds me of that because like a lot of those artifacts in the house, even if they were given or bought, I feel like still are not being used the appropriate way and are probably not I don't think people would be very happy that they had those things because that's not what their intention is, is not to be collected in the home of someone. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because of the one example I can, you know, remember clearly was with the mask and how I think as Mayor Hosey was thinking, it was like, oh, like, how is this mask feeling right now? Because I knew somebody back in ta- like the town or village that she came from and i think what is he, he fed him like cornflakes or something and it's like if these different things that are like artifacts in people's homes have like such cultural significance and like then they're not being taken care of yeah or like they're not being respected in the same way that they would be with somebody from the culture so i look at that and like i feel like that's something that bothered me too was when she went into that collector's home i was like mm. Probably, probably not what you should be doing in terms of the collecting. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting in the in the sense of it's like it was a private person's home, and so it's like, what are you doing taking these items, and how did you get them? Yeah, because it's not like you are, say, for example, if you were a Native American person and you set up something to commemorate. Oh, these are some items that are like important to our culture. It's not like that. You're like, oh, I think this is cool. It looks cool. So I'm going to put it in my home, most likely. Or at least that's how I read it as was like, they just took it because they felt like it was cool. Yeah. Or different or like something, a conversation piece. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't know. I just didn't like that. Anyways, any other things you want to talk about? Any other people? Oh, I have one more thing to say. I do. It's about Diego. After he got beat up by those guys. I could not get over how like descriptive the whole writing was about like essentially patching his face up back together. And I don't know if you remember this, but one of the things that like stuck out to me that made me go like, ugh, was the fact that there was like still a hole in his cheek and you could like see his tongue. And I was like, ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was super gross. Um, personally, in terms of descriptions that I could not handle, and I feel like this tracks for me, was the scene with the bear. I skipped it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't read it. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when I come to things that I'm like, I don't know if I can fully read this. I might just like skim through it just to like get the gist. But I don't know that I can always read through it all. But like I do understand, especially in like Diego's case, why she felt the need to put in like so much graphic description of like how horrible this injury was. Because it was like, yeah, like these guys completely, I'm not going to say ruined his face, but like they really, really hurt him. And so, yeah, like, I understand because you want to show the severity of the incident. Not the incident, the attack. It was an attack. 
Yeah, I think there is definitely a point to that. And I think there's probably a point to the bear scene too, because it was part of, I think, Simodicia's story. And where I think this, like, they basically, the person was like, I want to show how tough and strong and macho I am. He's one of the acts at the traveling circus or something. But then the whole scene was about how the bear was basically half dead anyway. And like, it was very descriptive. So I feel like it had points too, but that's like my little animal loving heart could not handle it. I know. It was very sad. I don't do well with like gory descriptions. Like gory descriptions, sometimes I can handle it. But like, I don't know. I just think it gets into that territory where like sometimes if a description is too graphic, doesn't even matter like what it's about. Sometimes I just can't handle it. Yeah. And I think like in terms of like a writer, yeah, you can still write them and put them in it. Just as a reader, I I tend to skim or skip those. So overall, what were your opinions on this book? Yeah, so I really liked it overall. Um, I think my one little problem with it, and I don't know if it was because I was kind of speed reading it, not in the same way you were. I think mine was probably because I thought we might have recorded on a different time or something. So I was trying to like get it in or something like that or get it done. But I was a little confused by the ending. To me, it seems like it just kind of ended. No, I kind of felt that way, too. I did like that Diego went back to go and get the baby, though. I thought that was real cute. But I was also like, did he take the girlfriend with? That's what I want to know. Because she was like in essentially like a nunnery question mark. Not even a nunnery. I think it was like they had these homes that were run by nuns for pregnant, basically people who were pregnant out of wedlock and then their families didn't like it. So they'd send them off to a home to have the baby. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And they even changed her name there. I was like, dang, probably so that like if you see her on the streets after you leave, you can't say anything because you don't know her real name. And she could be like, I don't know you. Who are you? Yeah. But yeah, I felt like he should have taken her too because that was that was their baby. It seemed like Diego came home and then it just ended. Like, I feel like maybe because it was just like a snapshot in their life and that's when it ended. But I feel like it was no... Maybe also because it's character-based, not plot-driven, where I feel like nothing really wrapped up. Yeah, I feel like there were still a lot of loose ends, but honestly, I didn't mind it that much. No, I didn't mind it that much either. I feel like I was confused as to, like, did I miss something? Oh, yeah, I could see that. I could, I could see that because I feel like I felt the same way to an extent where I was like, did I miss some key thing that tied up somebody's ending? Yeah. Because there was a lot of, like, changing things happening towards the, like, last 30 or so pages of the book. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to add about your overall impression? I liked this book. I would recommend it. Yeah. I think it's also not a particularly, like, difficult read in terms of language. So I think if you're somebody who enjoys reading books just to read books, I think that this is one that would be a good one to pick up and read because I think that while it does bring up a lot of good issues, the language is not going to be a barrier that you can't get through. Yeah, I agree with that. It definitely highlighted a lot of important issues. And I think one thing that I would like to highlight before we wrap up is that the author, Kali Fajardo Anson, she wrote a piece for The Atlantic, which was essentially six books to guide you through the American West, which I think a lot of the books on the list are kind of like we're talking about, about 
they're highlighting different people in the American West than your typical cowboy story. And I thought that list would be really interesting if you liked this book and you want to read more. My one thing is that I would add How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Jang to that. Agreed. That's a fabulous read. It's definitely on like one of my favorite books that we read on this podcast. Well, our next book club for you readers out there is going to be Apple Skin to Core by Eric Gansworth, and that will be dropping on November 7th. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on Women of Light by Kali Fajardo Anson. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this book, so please send us a message. You can email us or DM us on Instagram, and don't forget to rate Zillennials Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.